So there's, this week's parsha is actually Parshat Kedoshim in Leviticus, but um, uh, because I was lazy, I didn't know we were studying today, so I gave a different class this morning um, on last week's parsha because it relates very much so to the <coughs> to coronavirus and and not really coronavirus, but quarantining and face mask, which actually is in last week's parsha. So. Um, so Jay doesn't have a book. We don't. You don't really need a book. Most of it is not going to be in the book. Um, but I'll I'll tell you for Juan because Juan not likes looking in the book. So I'm just going to read. I'm going to start off with an introduction, and then um, I'll tell you the verses. So last week's parsha was last, last week was a double header. It was about it was called Tazria and Mitzara. So as we discussed, is sometimes especially in the non leap year we have double headers because we need to. We need to get all 58 parshas in, <coughs> even though then there's only 54 weeks. So, so we have to have some double headers. So last week was a double header. Both parshas happen to be related to the same topic of topic of some type of skin malady, which is was called sarat. Okay, and this skin malady. Um, as we'll see, it was caused by doing various sins, the Gemara says, but but uh, it was a physical manifestation on their body of this disease. So there's a lot of discussion. So one of the key parts, as we'll see in this disease, the Torah says, again written many, many years ago, is number one, that the person has to quarantine. He has to go outside of the camp and they would quarantine this person who had this skin disease. Um, so everyone assumed that that means it's, it was contagious, etc. And we'll see, there are a lot of people who do, a lot of commentaries who do hold that. Um, what's fascinating to me is, and the reason why I'm, I'm bringing it up, I'm just fascinated by this, um, and it's going to be a chapter in my book, God willing, when I just discovered this, this past Shabbat, because as rabbis now we have a lot of extra time because there's no minion, and there's no, on uh, Shabbat we can't do Zoom. If you're, if you're Orthodox, we don't do Zoom on Shabbat. So we can't have a minion. So we have a lot of extra time. We gain an extra couple hours on Shabbat. So we have like three, four extra hours. Even if you're davening alone, it doesn't take as long as the going to shul and the walk time and the rabbi speech and the schmoozing. So a lot of extra time. So I had time to, to focus on the parsha, And I discovered something that to me just like shocked me. I never noticed this all the years of studying these parshas of, about the Mitzorah this person who was quarantined, I never noticed that. So the quarantine is a famous thing. But in that very same verse, it also says that he had to cover his lips. Torah says that he actually wore a face mask. That this Mitzorah, who seemingly had this contagious disease, actually wore a face mask. So I started researching it and seeing who explains it and what was the purpose of the face mask. And basically a lot of people discussed, literally it was to stop the droplets coming out of his mouth. So I want to show you that, which is fascinating to me that a lot of what we're struggling today um, with our being uh, stuck in the house and quarantined is a lot of the same struggles they went with, they went, you know, happened then, and it's just fascinating to see it. So, so I'll just read you the verses, you don't need the book, but it's chapter 13, okay, um, one with us, chapter 13, verse 45. Okay, so I'll read it to you. Um, um, it says like this. I'm gonna read the Hebrew and translate. Juan, you want to read it for us? Okay, okay. So, chapter 13 in Leviticus, verse 45. 
I was like, whoa, whoa, you started in the wrong place. Hatsarua. Hatsarua, 13.45. You're in chapter 13? You're in the wrong chapter. 13. You're in chapter 13? Yes. No, no, no. I don't know. You're in the wrong book then. Which? Are you in Leviticus? Vayikra? I don't know. You have a different version of the Bible then. No, no, the next one. What are you? Which book are you? You don't have numbers there of the verses? Yes, that's it, finally. Yes, yeah, yeah. Bigadav. Rosho, Rosho, Rosho means his head, his head. Safam, Safam means his lip, on his lip. He shall cover it, he shall wrap it, meaning he's saying he shall wear a face mask, he shall cover his lip. Tamei Tamei and he shall call out impure, impure. Okay, so that's verse number one. Now let's read the so so the second verse. Next verse. Yeshev. Okay, so I'm going to read it in English now. It says, And the person with saras, in whom there is the affliction, his garments shall be torn, the hair of his head shall be unshorn, he shouldn't cut his ear, he shall cloak himself to his, on his lips, that means he covers his lips, and he is to call out, contaminated, contaminated, tame, tame. And the next verse says, All the days that, that the affliction is upon him, he shall remain contaminated. He is contaminated, he shall dwell in isolation, his dwelling shall be outside the camp. Okay, so so very clearly here, this was a case where this person came with this affliction. The question again is: it physical, spiritual? We'll get, we'll discuss that. But the, the Torah is saying very clearly: number one, he has to be quarantined outside the camp. Number two, um, he has to cover his his lips. He wears a face mask. Literally similar to what's going on today with uh, COVID-19. Um, and the Torah says he has to call out, Tamei Tamei. You call out impure because the assumption again is people are, um, are uh, gonna, can, they can catch it from him. They might actually catch it from him. So therefore, Tamei Tamei, we call out that he's impure so people should know to move away.
because they can contract this this illness. Okay, so that's the verses. Jay, you with us? Where are you on on the computer or you have a book? Oh, phone. Okay, that's good. And it's it's a Jewish version or King James? No, I'm saying, but it's Jewish. Jewish or uh, King James version? The Jewish version of the Bible would. Who's who's published? Who? Okay, but what does it say? Leviticus chapter thirteen, verse forty-five and forty-six. Read it to us. Yeah. Chapter thirteen, verse forty-five and forty-six. No, that's a different, that's a, that is also on the homes, yeah, we'll see that. You have it there, 35, 45 and 46, sorry. Okay, read 45. Read 45, yeah. Okay, so you see that? Lower, cover the lower part of the face. That's the face mask. The second verse, 46. So that's quarantine, basically. So both aspects, we have two aspects of uh, what we're doing today, right here in the Torah. We have quarantine and face masks because of this, quote-unquote, contagious disease. Okay? Um, Juan, you get, whose dog is that? Jay's or Juan's? You gotta mute. Put Goldie on mute. Yeah, that was before the government, you know, the, the government's banned it, before the CDC um, said it's a problem. It was in the beginning, they... they No, so there was one rabbi in Israel who said that, and, and then he changed his mind very quickly once the health ministry explained him the facts. But, uh, no, he said, well, no, the Minister of Health didn't resign yet. He's still Minister of Health, actually, just he has a, a question and answer period this morning, which I want to watch. But, uh, no, yeah, he, I'm saying he was a rabbi who, uh, who, who they asked, should the Shiva stay open? And he, at the time, he thought it was more important that Shiva stay open. But once, three days later, once they explained to him the problem, so he changed his mind very quickly. <laughs> so, 
Yeah, people are listen. There are like everywhere. The people are doing stupid things. So you're right. There's people, uh, but I'm saying generally speaking, every rabbi um, has come out very strongly, not allowing any minyanim, not allowing any any funeral, anything of that sort. I've been to unfortunately many funerals over the past few weeks, all by Zoom. There was only one funeral they attended personally, um, because we had we buried uh, someone who didn't have family. And so we had social distancing at the, at the burial. He was what's called a mate mitzvah. Literally, this guy didn't have any family. He had no relatives. He was a convert who had no living relatives that we're aware of. And he was he had no siblings, nothing. And uh, we buried him here in Houston. So we went, um, ten, 10 rabbis, and we all stood apart, gave like a 10-minute speech. We all actually, they wouldn't even let us use shovels. We actually used our hands to shovel the dirt in because the funeral place would not let us even touch the shovel <laughs> shear the shovels between us so we had to use our hands it was, it was unbelievable but I'm saying generally there's no one that I know that's allowing um, any minyanim now Israel as a matter of fact not only that the Israeli government is now allowing outside minyanim as long as less than 19, 19 people or less social distancing and masks and many rabbis are still saying don't listen to the government don't daven with a minyan because it's still too dangerous, and just because the government is allowing it, where they're still prohibiting it according to halacha, so it's it's actually they're being stricter in a certain sense. Um, so we'll see. But there are, like in any community, there are crazy people who are going to violate the uh, the restrictions. So you're always going to have a few of those. Um, anyway, so so the the point is like this. So. Getting back to this, so just, it just amazed me that I found this thing about face covering, which I had never noticed in all the years prior to this. I learned this parasha many times, and I discussed this topic. I never noticed this, so it was just amazing to me. So I started over Shabbat doing more research and seeing how people explain this face covering. So I'll tell you what I found, yeah. Yeah. No, so the Gemara does not say that here. The Gemara extrapolates it from later on in the Torah when it discusses, um, it brings up Tzaras again in Deuteronomy. Over there it says, you shall remember what happened to Miriam um, in the desert. And Miriam, as we know, got this affliction because she spoke Lashonara about Moshe Rabbeinu. So over there, the Gemara's, the Talmud's understanding, a clear implication, and one of the causes of this affliction is Lashonara, speaking a negative speech about someone, derogatory about someone else. So we'll get to that in a second. But, but, so that's where it understands it from. But there are those who do connect it here, commentaries, what you just said, connect the face covering to the fact that he spoke Lashonara, and so his lips should be covered. There are those who say that, so we'll get to that too. So I just wanted to explain, there's a few questions that we're going to try to answer. Um, generally, and also talk about the philosophy of this, not just the actual disease, but but basically it's, it's uh, meant to understood that there was many types of... We lost one there, I don't know. One, what happened? We lost you. So there, there are many times we find with impurities um, and issues of impurity in the Torah. For example, coming in contact with the dead, we discussed in the past. Uh, Nida, a menstruating woman, uh, um, a, a man who has an emission from his body, and who ejaculates, all these 
are different types of impurities. The Torah has many types of impurities. It's a whole tractate of the Talmud. But none of them are as strict and as detailed as what it discusses in this parasha, which is the quarantining and the separation, etc. The question is, what's different about this one? Um, okay, so that's one. And, and basically, it was, it was, as we know, quarantining could be a total disruption of life. Any other form of impurity... You know, maybe it was a little disruptive to your life. You had to go to the mikvah, you had to use the red heifer to purify, you had to go bring the carbon. Here, this is total disruption. The person's put in isolation, quarantine, completely outside the camp. He has to quit his job. He has to, as we know, what's happening today. Total, um, almost catastrophic disruption of life. So the question is, why is this different? That's question number one. Question number two, as we're going to see, is all the aspects here, say the Kohanim are involved in the, declaring him impure, and not declaring impure. So what's changed here? Meaning, why specifically here, this impurity, do we need the Kohen? Someone comes in contact with the dead, it doesn't, he doesn't need the Kohen to declare him tummy, impure. He's impure automatically. If someone uh, has an emission from their body, they don't have to go to the Kohen. Here's the same thing. The Torah is safe. You have this white blotch on your skin. You tell me, why does the Torah great detail? He has to go to the Kohen. The Kohen has to decide if it is Saras, then he puts him in, he walks him outside the city to the quarantine, and then he checks him seven days later. It's all the Kohen. Okay, and this is one of the issues. It seems like it's not a disease because, as we know, Jews are very into doctors. If it was an actual disease, a regular contagious disease, so the doctor should be the one deciding. Kohenim are not trained in medicine. Rabbis are not trained in medicine, or Kohenim are not trained. So why is it all about the Kohen? As a matter of fact, Rav Hirsch, um, in discussing this topic, okay, Rav Hirsch here, he actually discusses this at length in in, <coughs> in his Chumash who might have addressed it in past years, in reverse, and he says very clearly, it's a, it's a myth. People say this is a disease, it's contagious, and, and he, he quotes different sources. He says, the fact that the Kohenim were the ones in charge clearly has nothing to do with, with uh, disease. It's not a contagious disease. Otherwise, we, wouldn't have, we would have doctors involved, not Kohenim. And he goes on, he has like three pages, really very strong language, proving that this is not a contagious disease. Um, different uh, as we're going to see. This is not so simple, but that's his opinion. He, he quotes, fascinating, I'll just read you a little from her. She says, The laws of Tzaras, more than other parts of the Torah, have served as a source for the erroneous notions about the sanitary purposes of Mosaic law. Indeed, at first glance, they would appear to support such a notion. For seemingly the discussion here is of disease, a contagious disease. Those stricken with it must be quarantined. Why should that be done if not to prevent contagion? It is claimed that this that that this is a sufficient evidence to determine the character of these laws. Their whole purpose, as it were, is to protect the health of the people and the Kohanim who minister in this realm are merely expert physicians. That's what Hirsch is saying. People say about this. And from the long list of human diseases, just this one disease, leprosy, was singled out, and against it alone, there were strict regulations adapted. So he says that he, he doesn't like all this. And he goes on to say, he actually quotes a fascinating, um, he quotes a, a medical journal. This is It's called The Report on Leprosy by the Royal College of Physicians, which was produced by British doctors in 1868. So he's writing this at the end of the 1800s, beginning of 1900s, in a, in a German medical journal called Ostland, 1868, number 14. He says, filed by a commission appointed by the British government to investigate the alarming increase in the number of cases of the quite common occurrence of leprosy in the British colonies. The investigation resulted in the finding that leprosy, even in its most terrible form, is not at all infectious. So first of all, he says that, that, that 
that assuming we're saying this is leprosy, what we know is leprosy, he says it's wrong because the British Medical Journal did major studies in the 1800s, late 1800s, and they found, um, this is by the Royal College of, of Medicine, of, of Physicians in Britain, that leprosy is not actually not contagious. Um, so it says, so he goes on to say, the report continues, he's quoting from this report. Fascinating. He says, the all-important question for the government is whether this disease is contagious or not. There can be no doubt that the Jews consider it, meaning this is the, the British report, British by the Royal College of Physicians, is quoting the Torah to show that Jews thought it was contagious. It says like this, it says, there can be no doubt that Jews considered it to be so, that the strictest quarantine was imposed upon those who contracted it. Nevertheless, it seems probable from several indications that the Jews of old classed all skin diseases as leprous, and he goes on, the, the report goes on and on. Reverse says, this is all ludicrous. Um, he says, we have seen above that the widely held view the biblical laws of confinement are intended to prevent infection is totally mistaken, he says. So he goes on and he argues on this. Um, but, but others very clearly say, well, we were studying Ramban in this class, right? Well, and remind me, it's been so long. Ramban, yeah, Nachmanides. That's what we were doing. Okay, so Ramban himself, by the way, I found. One second, let me find where the book is. Lost my Ramban here. One second. One, give me a second. So Ramban, on this, on this verses, he says very clearly, um, you have Ramban one or no? Not there. Okay, so forget it. Don't worry, it's fine. I'll just quote it. It's one line. He says, um, fascinatingly, he says that the language in the verse we read where it says, Badad Yeshev, he should sit in isolation. So he, he, he harks on the word Yeshev. Yeshev is from the word Yeshiva. Yeshiva, as we know. Yeshiva means to dwell, to sit. That's what you do in Yeshiva. You sit there all day. You just sit. Right? So you sit and learn, study Torah. So he says the word, why does the Torah word use the word Yeshev here? You sit. So you go and listen to his words. He says, unbelievable. He says, he says, he says, and therefore scripture states, and I will place its harass affliction upon a house in the land of your possession. Oh, that's the wrong quote. Um, one second. Not the quote I wanted. It says like this. He says, he says, um, and the scripture states similarly regarding a mitzvah, he shall dwell, Yeshev, in isolation. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. And does not state there, as it states regarding other impure people, shall go outside the camp. In some other cases we find, a person should leave the camp, but it doesn't say he shall dwell. Says Nachmanides, Juan, you with us? Says uh, Ramban, listen to this, unbelievable. He says, he says, for it mentions sitting regarding the mitzvah to convey that he is not to walk around at all. The Mitzvah, when he goes in quarantine, he says he shouldn't leave. He should, shouldn't go shopping, shouldn't go play tennis, shouldn't play golf, shouldn't do anything. He should sit there. Why? Because he says, Because his ear and his breath cause harm. So Ramban says explicitly that this is contagious disease. And if we let him out of his isolation, and if he just walks out, even socializes in any which way, it can cause harm or cause contagion. Okay, so very clear Ramban is of the opinion that uh, this is that that this is a contagious disease, and that's why it was in isolation. And that and he says very clearly, his breath can cause harm. 
Others say explicitly, I found the Ibn Ezra says that that's why he covers his lips. Because um, his, it says the air coming out of his mouth can, can, can be contagious. I saw, I saw also the Ben Abachi says um, that, uh, not Ben Abachi, some Chaskuni uh, says that that's why he covered his lips. And, and uh, sorry, the Ibn Ezra I said, and, and uh, Chaskuni is another early authority, says that his, he had bad air coming out of his mouth. Literally what we know today. I don't know if they understood this then of germs and um, droplets. And we're saying today, 3,000 years later, they, he's saying that is why the Torah says to cover his lips, um, says the Chaskuni and the Ibn Ezra. Okay, so it's, it's fascinating to see these two sides of the coin here. Um, some of the early authorities, including Rabbi Hirsch, who's more modern, but he, he's going with the opinion of the Barbanel, who says very clearly this is not a standard disease, this is not a contagious disease. Um, like we're saying, others disagree, so there clearly seems to be an argument here. Okay? You okay, one? You had something to say? Yes, yes. Right. So now, what's interesting is the the the. The question is, what's the cause of this? So everyone, it seems to me, from one of my limited research, that everyone agrees the cause for this disease was a spiritual issue. As a matter of fact, the Talmud lists, says seven sins that caused, Talmud and Masech Nesarechen lists seven sins that caused the uh, Tzaras, that would cause this malady. Seven, let me just add the list here a second ago. Seven sins. Yeah, it's in the Gemara. That's what I just said. It's quoting the Gemara. So it's, it lists seven sins that can cause it. Amongst them was the famous one is Lashanara. Um, right? Is that's the one that we all know about? One second. So let me just find this list. Um, yeah, so seven things cause it. Um, one of them was Lashon Hara, which is speaking um, gossip, as we mentioned. Um, others, there's, there's murder, theft, um, sexual immorality, a number of sins the Gemara lifts. Now, what's, what's interesting is that... Um, uh, nah, well, I don't know. I never saw someone connected, but... You have a re- you're saying it's the reason why you're saying it's connected. Lashanara is not one of the seven Noahide laws. Uh, yeah, those are very serious laws. Those are social well, there is a there is a common denominator. I don't know about the seven Noahide laws, but those are all, as we're gonna see soon, social violations. They're not between man and God. Um, maybe sexual immorality is, but the rest are social issues. And we'll see there's another one called um, Another law called, um, another violation calls it Tsaras Ayin. Tsaras Ayin means, there's no good translation, literally means a stingy eye. But it's like selfishness. It means someone who can't, it bothers him when, when someone else succeeds. This is a, I don't know if it's a Jewish trait or generally humans have this, it's a bad habit, that people are not happy when other 
of when their friends are better than them succeed. Not about jealousy. It's a different thing. Is I can be very happy with my life. I have enough money. I pay my mortgage. I have a nice car. I have a nice house. Nice wife. There's, there's nothing I'm missing in my life. I'm very happy. But if someone is doing better than me, it bothers me. Not that I want what he has even. But just it's called in Yiddish, the word is fragin. I can't fragin that person. So there's no translation for the word fragin. It's like a, it's like a, a, some type of spiritual, uh, not spiritual, meaning, meaning it bothers him when others succeed. You know, it's a, very, it's a, it's a fa- fascinating human habit, which makes no sense. What do you care? So he's, if you're happy with your life, you have everything you need, so why, why, you, why does it bother you when that guy's doing uh, more successful in business? So you made, only, you made a million and that guy made two million. Who cares? Right, Trump, I think, is, is suffers this malady. Right, he, no one can be better than him. I mean, he has to be the best. So it's not even jealousy, it's a different thing. Coveting means I want what you have. This is not wanting what the other person has. I am very happy with what I have. Just he can't be there can't be anyone better than him. Can't be someone more successful than me. Alright, so that's called Sarasayim. And by the way, those those two sins, Lashanhar and Sarasayim, are very similar. First of all, they discuss actually the word Mitsora is a compilation of those two words. The word Mitsora is a compilation of two words. One is Motsi Ra which is motzi shem, and it means saying bad, speaking bad about other people. So the word mitzora is a compilation of motzi ra, okay, speaking uh, speaking bad. And then the other way, sarasayin is also, saras is from the word sarasayin. So the same thing, which is the stingy eye. So these two violations are one of the, well, we're going to focus on, but but you're right, um, I think Juan's correct, that there was there's a common denominator of all of these violations, all seven, that they're all social violations between man and friend, as we'll see. Juan, we lost your picture. We lost your beautiful face. Um, so the, the, uh, so what's, so first of all, so it says clearly that these spiritual violations is what causes this physical malady on your skin meaning it it it's even though it's a f- spiritual violation I meaning it's a sin you're doing it says in the Torah not to do this but it, it manifests its way in a physical way on your skin so I don't think there's necessarily an argument here maybe there's an argument about contagion not contagion but but some of the details but generally speaking everyone agrees more or less that the, the disease was caused by some spiritual violation but it had a physical manifestation okay so that's the way I understand it Okay, now, so the question becomes, the question becomes, as, <laughs> the screen. so now the, the question is, so again, so what, so first of all, there's a few questions that have to be answered. R- R- Hirsch is correct. He's asking, why is the Cohen involved in this? If it's, a, if it's a physical disease at the end of the day, so why should it be the Cohen? It should be a doctor, right? Um, everyone have to, even if you say surely you have to answer that question why should the Kohen be involved if it's purely a, a, if, it's a if, it's a, if it's some type of disease of contagion we're not against doctors in Judaism right that's an obvious question and number two is why specifically for this um, tumma, this impurity do we make him go into quarantine okay um, so, so that's, that's part of the question um so I, I wanted to, I was thinking, and it's relevant to what you answered, Juan, which is, which is that, uh, and by the way, there, there are other things, just to show you, other things about, to, sh- to prove that it's contagion. Other Rishonim say, other early authorities discuss, for example, when in Parshat Mitzorah, when they brought the carbon, the, the sacrifice, part of the purification process, they would have to sacrifice two birds. 
two doves, I believe, and one dove was dipped in blood, and it says then they actually um, sent away, the Torah says, sent away that bird to, to the field outside the city. So the, I saw someone, um, uh, I think it's the Bereda Bachia explains, he's an early authority, he says on that verse, he says, the reason why the bird was sent away, because this bird is now contagious. So it had to be sent outside society, away from the, you know, away from the urban areas. Because, of, because someone can contract this disease. So again, you see this concept of contracting the disease, um, that, it, that it is contagious. And like I mentioned, many, a few authorities, a few, co few commentaries say very clearly that a face mask, he covered his face in, for that reason, for the reason also of contagion, because his droplets would come out of his mouth. And he can, um, I even saw someone who uses, doesn't use the language social distancing, but he says that he shouldn't meet with anyone um, and no one should come visit him because it's because it's dangerous for them. Okay, so meaning literally social, as we know, what we're calling social distancing today, because that was practiced with the Mitzvah. So, the, what's the other side, by the way, for the face covering? The other explanation for those who say it's not contagious, let's say like Rav Hirsch, I didn't see him explain this exactly, but I saw in other commentaries the way they explain what was the point of the face mask for the Mitzvah. If you all, it's not a contagious issue; it's not a disease issue. They explained it was like he was like a sign of mourning. The people in those days would, um, mourners, for some reason it's not practicing, they would cover their head also. So the Mitzorah had to go, was, we treated him like a mourner. He, so to speak, he would put him in isolation, he didn't socialize. And this is where we get to the question of, so what's special about the Mitzorah? Why, why are we isolating him, etc.? If, if it's not a quarantine issue, an issue of disease, so then what's the issue? So, um, so here's where it comes in that many, of, many commentaries explain including Rambam in, in the Guide to Perplex, explains this in Ornavuchim. He says that the issue was because it sort of, he violated this social violation where he spoke badly about someone, he spoke Lashonara. So therefore, we have to show him, you know, you're saying you don't need society. You're separate from society. You don't need, you know, you can talk badly about the rabbi, about the president, about whoever. And, uh, you know, you know, you don't want to be part of society at large. Um, so we're going to social distance him as a, what's called a midah connected midah, tit for tat, you violated the social law by talking badly about others, or the, the other error which we said was sarasayin, where you, you can't be happy when someone else is successful, that means you can't be part of a greater society, you're, all, you're selfish, you're only worried about your success, someone else succeeds, you're not happy, so therefore we're going to quarantine you, we're going to put you in ice, social isolation, social distance you, and in a way that you are, are going to realize you need society, as many of us are realizing today. I'm not, I'm very happy, I'm an introvert, I'm very happy staying home and, and doing classes this way. I actually like it better because I can mute people who talk up too much and actually enjoy this forum better. But, uh, but there are many people, as we know, suffering in, in their isolation, especially if they're stuck at home with kids and, and their wife is constantly bickering with their wife. And that's why I, was I, was I told people, other people that I was giving class, said, make sure your guns are locked up and uh, you have to be careful. So you get stuck in your house, you get uh, people having very on edge and a lot of anxiety. So, 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 right, so we take this Mitzorah and we put him in quarantine to say, you believe, you believe, you know, it's all about me. You're being selfish, you're speaking bad about the other one, you're separating yourself from society, so to speak. We're going to show you, no, you need to, normal human nature is, you have to be part of society, you have to socialize, you have to have um, socializing, and you can't be, separate yourself from society, you need society. Okay, so that, that's how they understand the other camp, let's say the Rav Hirsch camp, 
although again I didn't see this explicitly in the verse, how he would explain what the purpose of the quarantine is, sort of what we call a midah kinegmidah, your punishment, the ramifications of you speaking Lashon Hara, is we put you, we socially isolate you. Okay, so that would be the other way to do it. So I want to explain also, so now, to get back to our question, so the other question is, so what you ask, why is the Kohanim involved? Why is it the Kohanim, specifically, which we don't find any other aspect of impurity where the Kohanim have to be involved in the whole process? And, and also there's another fascinating Gemara, which I've spoken about maybe before. The Gemara says, the Gemara in Subas, I believe it is, says that there are four people who are considered like dead. There's Chash of Four people that we consider as, as if they're dead. So, what's, so what does that mean? Very strange comment. First of all, the, it's also not politically correct. When you hear the four people, the Gemara says, who are the four people? It says, um, first of all, an indigent person, someone who's poor, doesn't have money, it's like he's dead. Someone, it says, a matzora, a leper, this person we're talking about here, not a leper literally, but this person with skin disease. Um, it says, someone who doesn't have children, or who doesn't adopt children, doesn't have children, and someone who's blind. So all very, probably all of them are not politically correct to say that, but that's what the Gemara says. As we know Torah is not always politically correct. So the Torah says, these, the Gemara says, not the Torah, the Gemara, it's a Gemara, um, says that these people are considered chashuv kameis. Say a blind person today, if you say that in public, a blind person, so if he's dead, it's very strange. So what does it mean? So there's a beautiful explanation um, that, uh, that I saw from... Um, the head of the yeshiva that I had learned in, in Israel, this is, he wasn't, he was already, had passed before, when I came to the yeshiva, his name is Chaim Shmulevitz. So he has um, a great safer, missing the cover, so you're not going to be able to see it here, but it's called Sichas Moser, Reb Chaim Shmulevitz's discourse that they published, he has in the Parsha of the Week, um, every week a, a ethical discourse on the Parsha, so he discusses this in Parsha Mitzara, and he says that what's the common denominator between all these four, what's that? It's a bird? Wow, amazing. Wow. The bird wants to study Torah too. Or doesn't like what I'm saying. One of those two. So, uh, so the, the, um, so Yuchan Shalavitz explains like this. He says, what's the common denominator between these four people? That why it's considered that they, he says that they don't have a life. So he says, what's the whole purpose in life, as we know as Jews, is to give. Purpose in life is giving. Is helping other people. So, uh, helping society, helping other people in general. So he says, if you look at these four people, the common denominator between them is they, they're not able to give. He says that, he says, um, uh, he says, first of all, let's say, take someone who has that money. Obviously, you can't give charity. If someone is indigent, they can just barely feed themselves. There's no way they're going to be able to give to other people. So that's, you know, it takes away not being able to give, takes away your whole meaning in life. Life is about giving. And if you can't, you can't give, you have no meaning in life. It doesn't mean they're dead literally, in a literal sense. He goes on to explain, a blind person also. Why is blind as if he's dead? He says, he explains psychologically, and modern science agrees to this, which is relationships are based on sight, on seeing someone. I can relate to the person, and I can connect with the person when I see them. If you don't see them, that's why we use Zoom. Right? My son is in yeshiva, where they're not letting him um, use Zoom, because not everyone has internet, so they're only having... They're studying only by phone. But it's not the same. I told my son, you have to convince your partner, your study partner, to use Zoom. Because seeing someone, sight has a lot to do with relationships. You connect with that person much more. If someone can't see, it's very hard to build a relationship. They can't 
see what that person looks like and smile to them. They don't see the person smiling. A lot of the communication we have is by seeing. So if you don't have sight, it says the same thing. It's very hard to develop a relationship, which is about giving. What's a relationship about giving to the other person and then giving back to you? So if you don't have, if you can't have relationships with people, so you can't give. So that's another category. Then he says, he says, um, what else we say? Children. He says, what's the epitome of giving? Epitome of giving, as we all know, is to our children. Someone has children, all we do is give them uh, more, more money, pay the tuition, feed them from when they're a little kid till they're adults, you're still paying them. Paying, uh, you know, even after they're married, you're still paying off whatever it is. You're helping with the mortgage, you're, you're constantly giving and you get very little in return from your children. Maybe the grandchildren, you get more in return, but, but uh, right, so it's all about giving. So the epitome of giving is children. So he says someone who doesn't have that, again, it takes away from their meaning in life. It's all about giving. And number, th- uh, number four is the Mitzorah, so he says the same thing. This Mitzorah, again, why is he isolated? Because he was selfish, because he spoke badly about someone, because he didn't appreciate the value of the other person's success. So says Chayim uh, Shalavitz, therefore, he's, he's as if he's dead. We put him in isolation, like we said, to, to, to hide him away. Juan, I'm going to mute you because that bird is getting on my nerves. If you have to speak, let me know. Raise your hand. Um, so, so, uh, so he says, see, this is why I like Zoom. You can just mute one whenever you want. You can't hear him. It's great. So, uh, so the, the point is, right, so, so, so he says the Mitzorah is the same thing. He's in the category as if he's dead. Why? Because he separated himself from society by talking badly and by not appreciating the other's success. And therefore, we put him in isolation. He should reappreciate it. And he says, so, so that's what he explains. A beautiful uh, explanation. This is on the philosophical side of it, not on the contagion side. So, so he explains this is this concept of, not as if they're dead in the literal sense, but we take away the meaning of their life, which is about giving. Life is all about giving. So now, so, so I saw, so, what, so now what's the reason we use the Kohen? So it relates to this also. So I saw a beautiful explanation. I'll tell you two explanations I saw. One is, one, uh, tell us when the bird left. So I go, I'll put you back on. Still there? Yeah? Um, so, uh, it's off? I'll unmute you. What? Oh, it's still there. <laughs> it must be like a, a reincarnation of someone who didn't study Torah or something. Wants to study Torah now. Um, okay, so the the... The, oh, so I was saying, why koanim? So I saw two explanations so that relate to this also. Why we use koanim specifically um, for this whole process. So they say one of the things is, as we mentioned, Saras Ayin is the aspect of, of um, I don't appreciate the other person's success. Right? I don't, I'm not happy when the other person succeeds. So he says, if you look at Aaron Akoin, Aaron, who was the first priest, as we know, the first Kohen was Aaron, Moses' brother, what was his story? As we know, the original story we introduced the first time to Moses and Aaron was by the burning bush. Moses is there. God tells Moses, go back to Egypt and save your, save your brethren. Moses says, I don't want the job. I don't have a speech impediment. I'm not good. I'm not cut out for this. I'm not a good leader. I can't speak to Paro. I can't even talk. I can't make a speech. So what does God tell Moses? Go tell your brother Aaron. Let him do the dirty work for you. He'll do the speech. He'll speak to Pharaoh. He's going to do everything. But, don't, but you'll be the leader. All the, all the credit's going to go to Moses. 
But Aaron does all the dirty work. And every time there's a plague in Egypt, he has to go speak to Paro. He's the one who does everything. He goes along with Moses. He does the magic tricks to show Paro. And Moses is just a tag along. But Moses is the leader getting all the credit. So, so I forgot who says this, but I remember seeing this. Beautiful. So he says that's why Aaron is the epitome of the person who could forgive. He's able to, he was happy, he didn't complain, even though he was doing the dirty work. His brother was a successful one, who was famous, the greatest Jewish leader ever lived. But he still was fine with that. He was happy for his brother's success. And he didn't complain, he didn't say a word. He accepted the job to do all the work while his brother was being successful. Right? So, so he's the epitome of someone, and as we know also, he was Rod of Shalom, of Shalom. It says Aaron was always the one who made peace between a husband and wife and, and people that were fighting. He always went along, and it says he was... Perkeavus, it says in Ethics of Our Fathers, he was the one who made peace. So therefore, we specifically tell the Mitzorah, you you can't forget, you can't be happy with that person's success. You're bashing the other person, you're putting them down with Lashon Hara. We're gonna, you're gonna have to use the Kohen, and he's gonna have to hold your hand throughout this process. You're gonna have to go to him because of what you did. He's gonna have to ascertain whether you have this malady or not, and what how are you going to become, we're going to declare you as impure, he's going to one that's going to declare you, have to declare you seven days later, revisit you in isolation, he's going to take you to the isolation, he's going to take you out of the isolation, to show them, to this person, that look, you have to be like Aaron, you have to be like the Kornim, and therefore specifically, you, uh, we, the whole process is done through Kornim, so that's what, he, that's what uh, this explanation says, this beautiful explanation as to why the coin was used specifically. Now, if you're going with the contagion theory, the other explanation, so I saw the Meshach Chachma says, Meir Simcha of Devinsk, he says that the reason why, he also has this question, why was the coin used? So he actually is going with the contagion. He says that since the disease was so dangerous and so, so contagious, to have regular people do it, he says, would be too dangerous. This is a big question today, as we know, with doctors. Can doctors risk their life to save a COVID patient? Should they be going in um, and risking their lives that they might, themselves might catch the disease? Right? Many, especially if they, you don't have PPE, well, the hospitals were not now anymore, but originally they were running out of masks and, and all this equipment. So the question is, should a doctor go in and try to treat a patient that, that might have COVID? Right? So how does that work? I was in, my mother is in a rehab center. Half the aides are not showing up. Why? Because why should they come in? They get unemployment. Um, the government's giving out free money, and they're getting paid more probably than they would get there, and they're risking their lives to take care of people who have COVID in this place. Right? There are many patients, as we know, in these nursing homes uh, have COVID. So who even that's should we allow healthcare workers to risk their lives to to save to save other people? So says the Meshachach, but that's why we use the Kohanim. Because a regular person, so contagious, would be too dangerous for them to deal with it. A regular doctor. So he specifically says the Kohanim who have special merits, because they have special laws. As we know, Jay has special merits. Jay is the Kohen. Uh, Jay has special merits, especially on your birthday, by the way. You can make any wish you want and uh, come true. So, so, the, so the special merits of the Kohanim that they have special laws, they can't marry certain people, they can't, extra, extra laws that the rest of Jews don't have, they can't come, come in contact with the dead, etc., etc. So in those special merits, he says, they, they have less to worry about when coming in contact with the contagion. You hear this, Jay? You have less to worry about COVID, according to this interpretation. Because you have special merits, because you're a Kohen. So uh, you still should wear your mask in public. But, uh, but, but, but you have less to worry about than us commoners, like me and Juan. Um, so that's what, that's the other side of why we use the cardinal. Okay?
So, so I, I, I just wanted to connect this at the end of the day to the, to the current situation, which is just all fascinating to me. What is that we're saying? That, because today, again, we're, we're clearly, uh, this mask that we're talking about, the covering the face and the social isolation of the Mitzvah, is really, in essence, what's happening today. But we see, and like we're saying here, the lesson is it's, it's social isolation doesn't allow us to give to a certain sense. It doesn't allow us to interact with society at large. We're stuck in our little, selfish little homes and just dealing with our families and ourselves and taking care of ourselves. And, you know, the rest of the society, we're cut off from society. So there's, 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 listen, there's a silver lining to that too. There are many people who, you know, never spend time with their kids, never spend time with their families. Now they're getting, spend time with them. That, that's a good thing. For some, some say that's the reason this is happening. Now we're far, we're learning how to communicate with our relationships and, and our wives, etc., and our kids. So that 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 could be a silver lining, maybe. For some, they're, they're having it's causing them a lot of angst. But uh, but generally speaking, we're saying, in a certain sense, what the Torah's view seems to be is the purpose of the isolation was to teach you a lesson how you really need society, and it's all about giving. What's fascinating is that in our isolations and our quarantines today, we can still socialize, really, even though we're partially socially distanced, but because we have internet, so we're able to still give, we're able to still um, be part of society to a certain extent. You, you can have your office meetings, your client meetings, and your tennis lesson via Zoom, and I can give Torah classes. So there is a certain, it's not as isolated as this quarantine that it was with then, because today, since we have Zoom and we have internet, we have all these tools, we can be isolated but still be socially connected to a certain extent. Obviously it's not the same as live. Yeah. Right. 100%, yes, exactly what we're saying, exactly. Hundred percent, exactly. Hit the nail on the head. It's exactly what we're saying. Exactly what these commentaries seem to be saying. That the social, the fact that he's isolated and his only contact is going to be with this Cohen, who is the epitome of what his, what this person with the disease's violation was. The sins that he committed, the Cohen is the epitome of the opposite of that. To show him this is this is the model, um, this is your role model of what you should be. Exactly. That's what some are saying. Exactly. Exactly. Hit the nail on the head. And, and more than that, I want to say about the, the face coverings also, it has a lot to do with a person's identity, as we know. You know, any website you go to, so right, so you want to identify, you know, you're reading an article, you want to see who wrote it, so they always have a headshot. 
No, it's the person's the person's face is their identity, right? That's the it says the eyes, the everything is the is the portal to the person's soul, who's your real identity. Looking at a person's arm or his elbow or his toes, you're not gonna recognize that person usually. You're not going to understand more. You, you, many times you could see the personality of a person on their face. Right? The identity of the person is the face. So a face covering, is that's what it's doing. And that's what some of these are saying. that It's, it's, it's removing that identity also. And that's what I think people are struggling with today. Or even wearing the face masks. You can't communicate well. You can't smile. Right? A lot of social interaction is smiling. It's, they see you, the person's facial expressions. If you're, mal- if you're covered, you don't see the person smiling, there's no communication, there's no, so it all has to do with this aspect of how we connect with society. So f- quarantine and face covering are actually very much related, and I, I never realized, I'm still studying this, still looking into this this week. Now, it's not just two things, yeah, there's two ways to contain the disease, one is stay in your house, the other one is wear a face mask. No, philosophically, from this es- on this esoteric level, they're very much related. They're both I'm, I'm totally removing myself from society by staying, by staying, uh, isolating myself. And even when I go out in public, I have to hide my identity, so to speak. I have to hide, and and you know, I go into the post office. I put on a mask. I put on a face mask. I just get my my post office box to get my mail. I can't see. I can't smile to someone. I can't. The person doesn't see my identity to that to that extent. So it's a fascinating uh, philosophical side to this whole thing um, of the of the again overcoming this face covering and this isolation, but we have what's, what's important, this is what I, I gave this, actually I told this to my class last week, I have a Thursday class in Starbucks that we're doing by Zoom and uh, I told them this um, which is that today with the internet, so you, we're able to do both to an extent, yes we are, like I say, it's hard to adjust, but we're able to still socialize and give, meaning again, the whole problem we said is the common denominator of these four people is that they're not able to give we are socially isolated today, but we still can give. How can we give? We could still go on the internet. And as you know, we were just discussing this. Terrible tragedies happening. Thank God in Texas we don't have it so bad. But in New York and in Israel, there's, there's people dying, dropping like flies. There's people, unfortunately, big rabbis and people with many children. They're leaving widows and, and many orphans. So there's websites. I told them about this last week. There's a website. I just well, even it's, it's also a perfect thing to teach uh, your grandkids and and your children about this also is, is about giving. The whole purpose is giving. So what I, I do is, once a week now, I've been going on, I'm not trying to toot my horn, I'm on the country, I'm trying to show how this is the way we can give when we're in isolation. It's, so they have, uh, there's, a, there's a few, they, a lot of these people, because of the situation, are, are, um, are they're starting GoFundMe pages for these families. So there's a, there's a lot of these non-profit websites for GoFundMe, but Jewish ones. So one is called the ChesedFund.com. The Chesed, Chesed means kindness, fund. And they list, you can click on the page, if you go to it right now, it has COVID-19 uh, funds, you know, that were started for people who died because of COVID. Their families didn't have life insurance, whatever the case is. They have many little children at home, and the, the, the guy who died was the breadwinner. So I, have my, I make a list, so far I've been doing 10 a week. Just little amounts, and I give the list to my kids, to my daughter, to go and I give her my credit card. I said, I send her 10 links on the site to give $18 to each of these links, just to show her that, teach her this lesson, that just because we're in isolation, you still could be giving charity, you still could be helping other people. Um, so it's just a fascinating lesson. So even though we're isolated, 
we shouldn't be like those people who are saying lost their meaning in life and you're stuck at home. And many people, by the way, are getting depressed at home and they're they're having anxiety and they you know they and Netflix coming out of the ears. How many movies can you watch? You know, why, how many reruns can you watch? At a certain point, you had enough, right? So so the idea is to do so much we can do online today. And giving online and helping people and, and interacting, doing stuff that we can still do, um, even though we're in isolation. So it's important. If you, have, if you get a chance, go to the site called thechesedfund.com, and you'll see there, unfortunately, literally uh, tens upon tens of families who need major help because they lost um, people to the COVID.